0: Welcome to Legends of the 70s podcast with me a Gabby Cabby. Joining me today is the Cabra King from Ormond Square to the European Cup final. I'm joined by the one, the only, Johnny Giles for a trip down memory lane. How are you, sir? I'm okay, Paul. What did you do with that short pass, Johnny? Well, first thing you do, get it under control. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> And then protect I, your ball. Or I,
1: I, if there's a pass on beforehand,
0: take <laughs> you, it. <laughs> you, you had eyes all over the place, Johnny. You were you know if, I've always said with certain players, if football was a religion, you would be a prophet. Your first memories of the game of association football, growing up in Dublin, you come from Ormond Square, didn't you, in Dublin? That was yes. your that was your manor where you learnt your trade. Yes. Tell yeah. me about that. I was, day,
1: yeah, right? I was born in red. I was in Dublin Dublin uh, in the time I was born, nineteen forty. So um, I lived in Norman Square, which was obviously a square, uh, but in those days nobody had cars. Yeah, oh. So we could play on any any of the four sides of the squares. And of course, some of the neighbours would put us go and play on the other side and go. But we played. That's where we. But it was ideal actually for learning uh, football at that particular time. There was no cars coming in and out. Uh, You could play down one side of the square, go to the other side of the square, and we had uh, what we called a bouncer. A bouncer was a rubber ball about twice the size of a tennis ball. So it was ideal for learning the trade of controlling the ball because it was harder to control than a football. Well, I didn't know that at that time. I was only a kid playing for a bit of fun with my pals uh, in Almond Square. But it was an ideal place to learn how to play football and control the ball
0: but you started playing football or kicking a football even before that with your granddad when you was three. He took you out to kick a tennis ball, didn't he? I've got to say, John, your book, John Joles, A Football Man, the Autobiography, is an absolutely fabulous read. It's honest. It's superb. It's, it's funny as well. And I did listen to a podcast when you said, well, if you were reading the book of my dad, It'd be a lot better than the book of me, oh, <laughs> because your dad yeah. was a real character, and you were like Chalk yeah. and Cheese. But your dad was a pro player as well, wasn't he? And um, yeah, he was yeah, a character yeah. as well, wasn't he, John?
1: Oh yeah, yeah, he was. Um, he, he played for Bohemians, which was an amateur team when he was young, and I, I believe he was pretty talented. But he got uh, he, he got a bad injury, I think, and stopped him playing. But uh, he was he was a character, a very well known character in the football world in in Dublin. Actually, he was manager of Drumcondra, which was a a, a League of Ireland team when I was a kid. Uh, So he had a very, very good knowledge of the game, really good and basic knowledge of the game, which was a great help to me uh, when I was growing up, obviously, because I went to Manchester when I was 15. Well, when you go at 15 uh, to any club, and especially Manchester United, you're not dealing with Matt Busby and Jimmy Morphy. You know, you're playing, there was those days, it was the first team, second team, A team, B team, and juniors, and I was only 15, so I started off with the juniors. So where, where the knowledge from my father came into play, because at that level, you're not dealing you know, with people that know an awful lot about the game, and they can put you in the wrong way, yeah. you know, on, the wrong, on the wrong road. So I was lucky enough to have a, a, a good basic knowledge of the game of 15, that if any of the coaches were talking rubbish, I knew it. Yeah. And that was through my father. My father had a very, very good knowledge of the game. But, but he was a character, yeah.
0: And in the book, he said that your father, you felt as though your father got more out of your football career than what you did. <laughs> I think he
1: enjoyed it more yeah. in many ways. You know, I, 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 I wasn't a drinker at all. My father, my father, was, my father was very well known in Dublin <laughs> as a drinker. And what they used to say to me, Dickie, Jesus, what a drinker. In other words, he never fell over. He never, never got into trouble and he could still talk, talk a bit of sense even with a good few drinks on him, you know, so he, that's what he was noted for, but I think when, uh, uh, like, like I met me, first, got my first cap in Ireland, went, and I'd only played two matches for Manchester at the time, and uh, we got a, a good big, I scored a good goal, we were 2 nil down, I scored a good goal, we went on to 3-2, so he definitely would have celebrated that night in a big way, I was home with my mother and girlfriend at that particular time, but he would have, he'd be out on the town,
0: now, was your dad's name Dickie or was it Christy? Because you did have an ability to change names. Jackie Carey, when he went over to Man United, we, went, we, we known him as Johnny Carey. Now, yeah. I'd looked at Wikipedia and I'd seen Michael John Giles. Was your yes. name Michael John Giles? I, I was
1: christened Michael John yeah. Giles. Yeah, thought so. uh, And uh But I, I was always called uh, John. I think my father didn't like the name Michael for some reason or other. Uh, so I was I was called John from the time. but it, it, It's a bit of a nuisance at times on, on passports and that, you know, <laughs> Paul, because it, it, I, I went to do without my passport somewhere anyway, and I was supposed to be Michael and I said John and the, I couldn't get through, you know. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, I was, I was I was I was christened Michael John, but I was always called John. And not, and not Johnny,
0: funny enough. <laughs> exactly, because I've listened to the uh, the uh, YouTube clips and um, podcasts that you've done with RTE and over in Ireland, and they all call you John Giles, where in England you're most commonly known as Johnny. So where did yeah, the well, Johnny come from, from the John? It
1: just came from football. It yeah. came from football people, do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's like, it's like when I got in the first team, for of all. But most of the the lads are especially depressed. They put the NY on the end of it, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and that's what, it, but my family, funny, enough, it, it, it always was strange me because people thought I was being a bit snobby or something later on when I said, look, my name is John because all the family called me John. Yeah. All the people that I, I grew up with called me John. It was only when I came to Manchester United and, and got in the first team that they put the Johnny on it. Yeah. But I never called Johnny. <laughs> my, my mother used to say, don't answer it. <laughs> <laughs> That's the English no big, It was no big deal, anyway, Pod. To be quite honest, it was no, no big deal. But it's just the people, that, family and friends of mine. It, it, it's, uh, it, it, it's always called John.
0: Now, your upbringing in, uh, in Dublin, uh, football and Gaelic football in particular, was the big mm-hmm. game. Certainly, tennis was another English game that you loved and you, you met your wife. At a, at a tennis club as well and golf. So you almost was more English than Irish, and you were a corner boy as well. So talk us through that, John. You're growing up and and going through secondary school because you took a little bit of stick, didn't you? Especially from oh, yeah. one teacher.
1: Yeah. Well, uh, well, funny enough, my 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 um, my grandfather was English. Right. This is going back a long time when the British Army was in Ireland, and he married an Irish girl. But my grandfather was was. Uh, 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 English and he was killed in the First World War so I never got to know him so I come from a little bit of an English background and also from a soccer area you know Uh, because in in, in Ireland as you say in those days Gaelic football was was the national sport and anybody that played soccer at that time wasn't very very well received Uh, and funny enough in in school I played Gaelic I enjoyed playing the Gaelic but um, I, I mean, boxer Murphy was the man you refer to there it was a, he was funny enough he wasn't a christian brother he was a, a lay teacher and and he gave me a hard time over it because i was i was known as a soccer guy he actually said you 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 go to <laughs> or you'll be able football with all those corner boys you know corner boy wasn't a, wasn't a very nice person in ireland in those days and you think you're going to go to england to play football you know but uh I, I got, all, I got all over him. He, he, he didn't mean anything to me. I, I knew what I was trying to do and what I wanted to do. Anyway, but it was the, the, the time and the place in Ireland at that time where soccer was very much uh, re, uh, not received well by Christian brothers and uh, school teachers.
0: Absolutely, you did. Refer it was the
1: English them. game, you see. It was the English really? game, and I'm going back to 1945, 46, 47. Uh, it's changed a great deal since those days, uh, Paul. You know, But that was, the time, that was the climate that was in it at that particular time. But it never bothered me. It never stopped, stopped me playing football with my pals in Armagh in, in Square.
0: And you're right, it was a terrible time. I mean, there has been terrible times in Ireland. And your mother and your grandmother were at Crow Park, wasn't they? On that uh, bloody Sunday, that horrendous day. And thankfully, they survived to tell the tale
1: yeah oh my mother yes my mother was was uh mother was a dealer. she called a dealer. she'd bring all the fruit and sweets on the day to to get into crow park and, and sell them on that day uh and she was there on that day uh, and my mother was there as well uh but luckily enough they 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 they, they didn't get into any 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 trouble in, in what was happening on the day anyway.
0: Who did you find was your biggest opponent, Johnny, whilst you were playing football? The lady whose door was open that burst your bouncer, <laughs> or any other footballer that you played against?
1: Well, she was she was deadly to all us bouncers because uh, we used to play with, with a rubber ball to save a bouncer, uh, you know. And uh, like we, and there were spikes around the square, so so something I remember sometimes we just put God got together a few bob, not a few pence, in to get the ball. And you come around and it hit the spike on the thing and it'd be gone. Yes. Uh, so the, 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 we, we, and we didn't have that money to replace it. But uh, and this lady, the, behind one of the goals we had, uh, she used to leave the door open. And of course, a bit of bad luck, if somebody scores a goal, that goes on, goes through the door and uh, the the ball was gone. And then she'd come out with it in her hand and throw it to us and we'd be all cheering. But she'd put a puncture in it. It was no good to us, and that was and then, one of that was that was the bad days we used to have there. that one when, when she 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 got a hold of the ball.
0: And there's a blue plaque there as well, isn't there, by the side of no ball games.
1: Well, it is now. Yes. Like in, in my day, you could play yeah. uh, football. But funny enough, there's there a few years ago I got the uh, an honorary start. Uh, sorry, a place in Norman Square. Funny enough, and just down down the down down from Armaments Square there was another notice: uh, no football allowed. <laughs> and that's where me and my pals used to play football all the time, but times have changed. Now it's it's a bit of a yuppie place, Almond Square, and there's a lot of cars around there that used wasn't there in my day. It was a very working class area. But again, uh, Paul, ideally for learning the basics, the trade of the the game, controlling the ball.
0: Absolutely, and there's not many blue plaques that were given out. I believe you and Patrick O'Connell. Now they, they were giving him, they give him a bridge as well. So what happened to the Johnny Charles Bridge?
1: I don't, know. <laughs> I don't know about that. I'm not too bothered about that anyway, Paul. I mean, there's a nice plaque in Norman Square, and that's. Uh... Absolutely, that's, that, that's good enough.
0: John, who were your heroes growing up as a kid in in Dublin? Because you come from Cabra, and that same district in Dublin that the great Liam Whelan uh, come from. No. I mean, the English people. Yeah, I, I didn't from come really... from Cabra. I didn't oh, come okay. from Cabra Pop. Oh, okay. I, I came from Ormond
1: Square. Ormond Square was about uh, well, in the car now would be about fifteen minutes to Cabra. Cabra in those days was a new estate. Gotcha. Uh, from from you know the the. Um, the, the bad housing, there's a lot of bad housing in Dublin in those yes. days. Yeah. Uh, and they built Cabra, was one of the estates that people could move out of inner Dublin there. Yeah, but I, I didn't. My, my parents stayed where we were. But Liam Whelan would would have, yes, did come from Cabra.
0: So, who were your heroes when you were a kid and you were playing in Ormond Square? Who did Johnny Joles, or John Joles, want to be when when he grew up?
1: You can call me Johnny, by the way. It doesn't bother me in the (laughs) least, Paul. Uh, No, I I, I was... First of all, there was no television in those days. You might hear a bit of radio that. So, most of the the, the matches that we we would see, the big matches, would be the international matches Mm -hmm. where Ireland would play, whether it be Scotland or Germany or any of those players. And our our heroes were, were the lads, obviously, that played... Uh, in the Irish team, and, and the captain in those days was Jackie Carey, yeah. you know, as you said early on he was Jackie Carey and then he was Johnny Carey and he was one of the greats, yeah. he was one of the greats he was he, he captained Manchester United when they won the Cup in 1948, he was footballer of the year in 1949 and he was a great player, so me and my pals he was our big hero, now we had lots of other heroes Tommy Eggersden, Peter Farrell who played for Everton Carl Martin who played for Villa uh, we would lots of, lots of other, uh, David Walsh who played for West Brom. So we would lots of heroes from the Irish team, but we didn't see an English match. But we we, 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 t- we latched on to Manchester United, mainly
0: because Jackie Carey. Yeah. Now, you did say that you come over to uh, Manchester United as a 15-year-old kid, and you did, um, but you'd also come over previously as a 14-year-old boy on a boat and that 's when you bumped into Duncan Edwards when he was eating an apple on uh, on a wall
1: yeah well I, well I, 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 they had a man called Billy bean who 's a scout in dublin and he he 'd been watching me for a few years and what he, what they decided was that they would send me over to Manchester when I was fourteen to make an attachment to them because he couldn 't go until you were fifteen yeah. on a permanent basis uh, and I think they 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 want to make sure that uh, no other club would come in for me. Yes. You know what I mean? Uh, school boy, as a schoolboy. But I always wanted to go to Manchester, mainly because, again, Jackie Carey, we followed Manchester United, and they decided to send me over at 14, which was a year before you could go on a permanent basis. Yes. But Manchester didn't throw the money around. They, did, they didn't send me over on the plane. They put me on the boat. There used to be the Munster and the Leinster boat. would go from Dublin to Liverpool. Yes. And... I was on the boat. I remember. My mother, I think my mother saw the, or a pound inside my pocket because she was worried about me going. Uh, I never thought anything of it at the time, to be quite honest. But the only time I got scared, I made my way from the boat to uh, to uh, to, the, to the train, uh, and it was only when I was getting into Manchester. About ten minutes before I got into Manchester, I got worried because there was somebody uh, meeting me at the Joe Armstrong, who was the man who who who, who did that job. Was meet me at um, at uh, in Manchester, um, but I never met him before, and he never met me. So the only thing was well, if we don't know each other. Where am I going to end up here? Because I'm going to be completely lost. But he but he he he, he got me straight away. He knew by the I had a broken down old bag a case, and he he knew uh, he knew he was used to picking the 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 uh, the kids coming to Manchester United up from there. So it was okay.
0: Gotta say, John, as a Birmingham City supporter, I wish you'd have ended up in Birmingham because we'd have loved you at Birmingham City. <laughs> but, but you did end up at Manchester United. What was it like playing and looking, observing the Busby Babes? I know that you you wasn't particularly friends with them, but Liam in particular, uh, in your book it says you were chasing him round with with a bottle and you you cut your hand on it. Oh yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. That that happened. Well, Lee, there was a couple of Irish lads there, Tommy Hamilton. Was there Liam Liam Whelan was there, Uh, Joe Carlin came later on, and uh, I must say they looked after me really well because I I, I must have been a total nuisance for them. You know, I was only fourteen, but but it was brilliant, uh, uh, Paul, because uh, this was pre-season, right? So it was pre-season training, and I could watch the pre-season matches, practice matches. But all these players, when I went to Manchester United first that year, I didn't know all the players there. I've heard of Duncan Edwards and I knew of Liam Whelan, knew of a few players, but I didn't realise this was the Busby Babes time, coming onto that prime, where there was, uh, like say, the first team played the second team in those days. And Bobby Charlton was 17, I think, at that time. And Bobby couldn't start. He couldn't get into teams, because in those days there were inside forwards. And the inside forwards in the first team was Jackie Blanchflower and Dennis Wilder. And then you had Colin Webster and They were all international players. Yeah. Where saw, I mean, I saw Bobby come on at halftime, and he was sensational. He was brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Uh, and became the great player he did. But I didn't, never heard of Bobby Chapman at that time, or Eddie Coleman, or Jeff Whitefoot, and Duncan Edwards, and all these players. So I was watching it, where they were playing absolutely brilliant. And I was with the younger lads playing, doing my own little bit, you know, with the ball and all that carry on. It was, it was brilliant.
0: But when you come back then as a 15-year-old kid a little bit later, your dad wanted you to uh, take an apprenticeship as an electrical engineer as well, didn't he? So you were like yeah. learning two trades where some of the other boys just focusing on being a footballer. But you yeah. learned an awful lot, didn't you, John, with those fellows that, that you worked with. So it was a great, a great grounding for, uh, for young John. I was a great experience,
1: yeah. see my father was the type of fellow he wanted me to do everything, yeah. he wanted me to be a great footballer, he wanted me to be a great scholar, yeah. right, and I was hopeless at school, oh, absolutely hopeless becausecause I't it in playing football and and also to learn a trade yeah. <laughs> so I, I went to in alteringham and uh it was it was a great experience, i must say um and it it that was obviously. Apprentice to the Manchester lads, and funny enough, nearly all of the lads I was working with were Manchester United supporters. Yeah. But I, but I had a problem early on Paul, because I I'd, I'd a, a take Dublin accents, yeah. right, and they had a take Manchester accent. I couldn't understand the word they were saying, and they couldn't understand the word I was saying. And I thought, how am I going to live in this country? But as it happens, it does happen. I got used to that accent, and they got used to mine. And they were really good lads, really working class lads. And they looked after me really well. But that only lasted a year. Yeah. right? Because Jimmy Morphy Jimmy and I were saying, I, I was going training on Tuesday nights and Thursday nights. You know? And uh, I, I was never going to learn to trade, to be quite honest. I was never going to learn it. And Jimmy Morphy said, look, we're sort of wasting our time here. Uh, after a year, I was short of seventeen. He said, "Right, you come in full time, and then you can sign uh, pro in November of seventeen uh, when I was 17. And that's what happened. But I'll never forget those lads. They were really, really good lads. Looked after me. looked after me well. Took me to, took me to see one of my favourite singers at the time, Frankie Lane. Do you ever hear of Frankie
0: Lane? Oh, do rawhide. <laughs> <laughs> but he,
1: he was one of my great heroes, and and we we went uh, uh, out to where they have the the, the all the I forget the name of the place now, but I went to see, they were really good, really good lads, and I was very, very grateful to them.
0: Music and singing is a big part of your life as well, John, I've seen a a few clips on YouTube uh, where you've gone up and you've had your Bacardi and Coke, and you've uh, done a couple of numbers, Nat King Cole in particular. I have to stop you there, I have
1: to stop you there, it wasn't a Bacardi and Coke. It It was a few (laughs) Bacardian (laughs) cops. Or else else I wouldn't be doing this there, Paul.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But you've got a good voice as well, John. You Uh, can hold an out. Eamon Dunphy as well, he can hold a note. You boys knew how to play and you knew how to party as well. Oh, yeah. Well, funny enough, Dublin in the old days,
1: uh, you know, they used to call them hoolies. Yes. Uh, and they'd be in the house and good for your drinks, and always a sing song. I mean, it was it was a, it was a thing that we were brought up with. Uh, I had it in the, in the international team after a match, and that especially after a good win, uh, we'd have we'd have a good sing song. So it was it was part of the culture growing up in Dublin in in, in those days. But I, I, I don't I don't consider myself a singer. At the top. I'll have a go, keep the party going and that. But luckily enough, when I was managing the Irish team, we'd some terrific singers in it. Jerry Conroy, Mick Martin, uh, Ray Tracy, they could all do a turn. Liam Brady, uh, they could all do a turn. But it was a good night, especially after like, one of the matches, now Now, first manager, we beat the, the USSR 3-0, which was a great win. And it was in the afternoon, so it was made for the evening. You know, you're back in the hotel by half, five, six o'clock. You've got a full evening then, and and good few drinks, good few sing-songs, Brilliant, brilliant stuff, you know.
0: Two fellas that really changed your uh, way of life, your philosophy, one or two other things at Manchester United: uh, Jack Compton and Jimmy Shields. Jimmy Shields was a pal of mine from Derry. Yeah, and we, we were in digs together. Yeah, Jimmy. Uh,
1: and Jimmy was a really outgoing lad. Yeah, and, and I wasn't. I, I was I was very very shy in that. Yeah. So see, so he brought me out a lot. In that way, you know, we were in digs together and then we we, we got gone.
0: Now, Munich was an awful time and, and you lost some of your friends. You didn't particularly know many of them, but, but Bobby was in the Munich Air Disaster. Dennis Violet was in the Munich Air Disaster. Thankfully, they survived. Eight players didn't survive, backroom staff, etc. And journalists, including the great Frank Swift. Mm. But it must have been an awful time. Um, what was it like as a young kid? Because you'd not been there that long. And to lose people that that you'd looked at, um, I think Roger Byrne, he'd, he'd wished you all the best when you'd signed your contract. But but Liam was the one that you really had a connection. And, 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 and I guess because Liam had come over there as a young Irish lad as well. So there is that connection. It must have been a horrendous time. And then Sheffield oh, was Wednesday was yeah. the first game, wasn't it, in the Cup after?
1: Oh, it, was it was dreadful. Dreadful time, actually. We, we were down at the, uh, we were training at the ground. Uh, it was the youth team. I was in the youth team at that time, training at the ground. And then, but, but Bill English, he was the the old the old time trainer. Yeah. And after training, he said, "Look, I've got some bad news, lads. Uh, there's there, there's been a crash." But the way he well, he he didn't know, but we thought it was wasn't a big deal. Yeah. You know, we thought it was uh, something happened. Uh, but it was okay. There was no there was no talk of anybody being killed in the crash. And uh, it's just when I got back to the digs, which was an hour or two later, that the, the news had come through uh, that what, it was such a bad uh, accident with players being killed. We didn't know that. I, mean, I was in digs at the time. And uh, what happened was there it, it was loads and loads of funerals. Pop, and I didn't really know the lads. You know, I... I, I I was a young pro at the time. At that time, and and there was about forty pros. So, and you had the first team dressing room and the second team in dressing room. I mean, I I didn't know them, you know. Yeah. I, like I knew them, but like Duncan Edwards wouldn't know my name, for example. Mm-hmm. Few of them did. Some of them were 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 friendly to others. Eddie Coleman, he was a very friendly guy, and that few of them. Then obviously Liam Reid because he was a, he knew for, from Dublin. Yeah, but Tommy Taylor and David Peg and Duncan Edwards. They wouldn't wouldn't have even known me in, in the place. So it was um, it was a very very hard time for everybody at the club and particularly for lads like myself in digs because we were going to the funerals. Yeah. That's all we did. We were told don't no, don't don't go near the ground for two weeks, uh, and but we had to go to the the funerals, and it was very very. You can imagine what it was like in in Manchester at that particular time. It was a dreadful time. Grateful.
0: Absolutely, because they were one of the greatest teams that England's ever produced, and it wasn't just the flowers of Manchester that died that day. There were the flowers of English football as well, and never. Yeah, they were so, so young. They were so young, Paul. Yeah. You know,
1: they were so young. I mean, the average age of the side was only only twenty, twenty one at the time. You know, and I mean, they were a phenomenal team. I mean, you could have picked two teams at that time easily. Manchester. I mean, Bobby Bobby Chant was only just getting into the team at that time. And then the Liam Whelan and, and, and Colin Webster, and Jackie Blanchflower, Dennis Dennis Foiler was a terrific player. Absolutely. Terrific player.
0: Shea a player. Brennan, he uh, he was the star of the first game, wasn't he? At the, yeah. the cup game against Sheffield Wednesday, but you uh, played a little. Practical joke on Shay, didn't you? You pretended to be somebody else and he was so chuffed to be playing for Ireland Because he was the first one wasn't he that, that looked at the grandparents and was able yeah. to play for uh, the Republic of Ireland When did the Republic of Ireland become Republic of Ireland? Because when I was a kid, it was era
1: Well, well, well funny enough, they're only celebrating uh, 50 years this year that, that the FAI became independent Really? Of the uh, yeah yeah 50 years this year that's that's where they had a big match last year. I was over for it in Dublin uh, against Belgium it was a, 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 a friendly match obviously um, but it was um, to celebrate and they had a lot of players and different people uh, at the match I was I was one of them uh, to celebrate the 50 years oh, my goodness. 19, tw-
0: nineteen yeah nineteen nineteen
1: twenty one.
0: Because, again, when I was 22. a kid, it was always era. And then, all of a sudden, it changed to the Republic of Ireland. But Shay Brennan, he was a good lad. And he was a pal of yours and scored a brace against Sheffield Wednesday. You were yeah. watching that game on the wall. My dad actually went to that game. There was a yeah. lot of people from all around the country who oh, yeah. got on yeah. coaches and buses. Just to be a yeah. part of of that, just just to be there. Man United borrowed players that were already cup tied, but the rules were relaxed, so Manchester United could get a team out and got to the final. Unfortunately, got yeah. beat by Bolton Wondrous uh, that that yeah. year.
1: Yeah. Well, Shay, yeah, Shay, Shay was I was at that time in the A team and B team.
0: Yeah.
1: Along with Shay, and we were a very good pals. Shay was Shay was very Irish in his way, you know. His, his parents were Irish. And one of the great lads, one of the great lads, really, really very good to me, very friendly. Uh, and we played in the A team together, which was the third team. And, uh, it, you know, we, we knew each other very, very well. But I remember afterwards, uh, you know, Shay, Shay got in the first team and we we came to the same conclusion. I didn't think Shay was going to make it. <laughs> in The A team and Shay didn't think I was going to make it. <laughs> we were going, we were sort of going nowhere. But Shay played obviously in the first match when they were really straight, he played outside left actually uh, and scored a goal yeah. in, 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 in the match. So Shay became a uh, hero immediately, uh, with the Manchester crowd. Uh, now he didn't last in the first team very long, he wasn't in the cup final or anything, but he did his bit on that particular day, uh, and it was uh. It was one of those nights which was very, very uh, sad night, many okay- and on sad occasion, really. Often, although they won the match, you know.
0: Absolutely.
1: But Che was one of the great. He was one of, you know, he's talking about a man's man. Yeah. He, he loved to drink. He loved to bet. Uh, and he was really, really, he was very, very good to me. And he, he, well, he was good to everybody. He was just one of those great lads.
0: Now you were you were still at United and you played in the '63 uh, FA Cup final for Manchester United. Um, you didn't play in the Charity Shield game, and as a consequence, that was the uh, the last game that you played, wasn't it? Or oh, sorry, you did play no, I played Chelsea. in the Charity Shield game, Shiel, but you didn't play. The yeah, that's game. when I was left out of it. it. We were beating, we were beaten three
1: four 0 at at, yeah, yeah. Uh, at Goodison. Yeah. So he made a few changes, and I was I was one of the changes. But, now, Yeah.
0: Now, that move, you know, that young boy that you know, been a fan of Manchester United, instead of mm-hmm. wanting to grow up and play Gaelic football like a lot of Irish young kids did, you wanted to play for Manchester United. Yes. That was, that was your dream. To be shown yes. the door, because it was a game against Tottenham, wasn't it, in the cup semi-final that, that you didn't have a good game, and Matt seemed to lose faith in you. Yes.
1: We and, played in the semi-final. Um, and I was playing in the main position as midfield player. Actually, Bobby Chant was on the left wing at that time.
0: To listen to the rest of this podcast, please go to www.patreon.com forward slash
1: One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes.
0: Nice dress. Uh, it's a, it's a t-shirt.
1: Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care.